Kenny Omega being the star he has been in Japan is pivotal to the success of AEW. I'm sure there are qualified guys who can book the women's division. We're about to make history, each and every one of you. We use the word revolution because this is a revolution. I am NXT and I'm not going anywhere. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. This is an official declaration of war tonight to anyone who wants to get in my way and anybody who stands in AEW's way. We are NXT! This is what you call a paradigm shift. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the WWE vs. AEW podcast. I am your host as ever, Daniel. How's everyone doing? So, we are fresh off, unrelated to WWE and kind of AEW, we are fresh off the first big wrestling weekend of the year, fresh off Wrestle Kingdom weekend. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who subscribed to our YouTube channel and Apple, Spotify and Podbean. Hope you all enjoyed the coverage from Wrestle Kingdom. I enjoyed recording the shows myself. So just a quick plug if you haven't already checked that out. Just go to our YouTube channel and they will be right there at the top. If not, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Neutral Wrestling on YouTube or go to our Twitter at Neutral Res and everything is on there. Please subscribe um, and yeah, enjoy the show. So, week 14 of the Wednesday Night Wars. This was NXT's first week back really properly for it feels like about three weeks AEW obviously fresh off their opening show. The opening show of the year from last weekend, which, as we said in the last episode, was a very good show. Now, the first thing is, I think I feel like we're going to start with a bit of a rant here. And I really didn't want to start like this, but uh, I I just can't help it. If you've been on our Twitter, you will have seen some of this stuff. And it's just... So, I'm going to take you to Fightful.com, who provided this, right? So, I'm going to read you an article from Fightful.com, or a part of an article. So, as for his own career, Kenny Omega says he doesn't mind taking a smaller role on TV to help other performers get over. "You'll You'll still see me do what I do best on occasion, though, Kenny added. So, what he's saying is, he's going to concentrate on building this women's division in AEW, but... Lucky you'll still get to see him from time to time, do you know what I mean, doing what he does best. It is not good enough. It is not good enough. Let's take you back 12, 14 months. Kenny Omega was the hottest property in wrestling. You had WWE and AEW seemingly fighting over him. WWE were going to offer him big money. And if you remember, at the time, the big worry that all of us had was, oh, Kenny, don't go to WWE. They won't book you right. Go to AEW. Go to AEW. I asked the question, would WWE have booked Kenny Omega better than AEW have? I, I'm starting to think the answer might have been yes. I, I, 
the it, part of it is clearly Kenny's own doing, but somebody, somebody in management, I know like it's all nice and good, they're all EVPs and they all get their own little role and it's all, it's, sure, it's great for them, but for the benefit of the company, Kenny Omega needs to be right at the very top. I'm sure he'll get there one day, but obviously while he's doing his big bit with the women's division, I mean, I'd say he is the Kazuchika Okada of AEW. He is the Roman Reigns of AEW. Some of you might not like Roman Reigns, but he is the star of the company and should be setting that. I mean, I put a tweet out on our Twitter, which you might have seen. I put, imagine if The Rock or Stone Cold took a smaller TV role to concentrate on the Divas division back in 1999. Kenny Omega being the star he has been in Japan is pivotal to the success of AEW. I'm sure there are qualified guys who can book the women's division. They've got some great agents in AEW. I'm sure they are perfectly capable of booking and building the women's division. And if they're not, then they need to go and find someone. Because I'm not even funny. It's not... I could probably book the women, AEW women's division probably better than they've done at the moment. Not to blow my own trumpet. But I'm sure they can find someone. It's not that hard to find someone who's capable of producing a good women's wrestling when they've got some decent wrestlers. But what it is hard to find, it's very rare finding a star and someone with the wrestling ability of Kenny Omega. It's not easy to find. He is one of the best wrestlers in the world and he has shown anything but that in AEW. So, Tony Khan, I'm sure you're not listening, but needs to be sorted. He's one of your hottest properties. He does not need to be booking and spending all his time concentrating on this women's division. And if he is, at least make the women's division good because at the moment, it is is not so it, it, it's just Kenny Omega he came out and he's basically saying oh one of the biggest problems he's had since he joined AEW is the criticism from the fans on Twitter and it's like did these guys not learn anything from Seth Rollins Seth Rollins lost all basically all of his fan support by some of his stupid comments that he made on the internet and you've got look, let's go for this we've got Kenny Omega criticizing fans on Twitter for having a go at him You've got the Young Bucks deactivating their Twitter due to criticism. And it's like, what did they expect? They're on a television, a national television stage on TNT. They're open to criticism. If they couldn't handle the criticism, they should never have got into this game. They should have just signed the contract for WWE. Because as EVPs of the second biggest wrestling company in the world, possibly... They're open to criticism, especially when they're not delivering the shows that were promised. So yeah, that's out of the way. I really wanted to touch on that because they just need to sort it out. They really, really do because this, is, for me, is a big issue. The Twitter game from the aid This was what they were strong at, the elite. Social media. So for the young bucks not even to be on social media, you've got Kenny Omega doing his best Seth Rollins impression. And I'm going to read you a tweet from Tony Khan. This like sort of leads us into the ratings. Thanks to all who made last night's AEW one-year anniversary episode. I didn't even realise that. Of Dynamite, a rating success. For all of us to keep succeeding, AEW will listen to our fans. I hear your feedback and won't ignore what you want to see from AEW every week. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. At least Tony Khan seems to have a clue what to put on social media. Maybe Kenny Omega could follow his ass. You don't have Tony Khan coming out criticising all his fans. But it would be nice if he'd listened to some of those fans. Although he is listening, to be fair, to some of the points. But there's a lot of points on this AEW show, particularly last night, that just weren't, weren't what a lot of us wanted to see. Um, 
But I suppose it is now time to talk about the ratings. So let's get on to a positive for AEW. Now the ratings, as I'm sure you all know by now, last night, 9 o'clock UK time, I'm guessing that's what, 5 o'clock Eastern time in the States and what, 2 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Pacific, something like that. The ratings came out for Wednesday night, week 14, and AEW won back on top, which they really weren't doing in December of last year, but back on top, AEW did 947,000 viewers, one of their highest ratings in a long time, beating NXT, who had 721 thousand viewers that is a win of 226,000 viewers yes maths maybe is a strong point but I'm joking but yeah 226,000 victory hopefully that mathematics was right because I just did it off the top of my head but 20 226,000 victory for AEW um I'm not sure what it'll be like last week next week sorry because for me the show wasn't great but the ratings were a big success which is surprising for me because this wasn't really I don't know I wouldn't say it was one of their bigger shows um obviously they've got the bash at the beach show next week they've got the uh, Chris Jericho cruise show the week after so really you'd like to think that they'll be able to maintain the viewers going forward hopefully they'll put on a bit of a better show but um so basically what happened is the uh, ratings came out last night and we didn't get the NXT ratings for the first half an hour because NXT were not in the top 50 on cable. Um, AEW had double, double the amount of viewers in that all-important 18 to 49 demographic. Um, the, I was looking at the stats on um, the ratings and what a big rating AEW get a really one of the better ratings on cable for the male 18 to 49 demographic, which I'm sure you're sick of hearing about now. But they're doing really well in that demographic. Um, so yeah, so that's the positives for AEW. A win in the ratings for the second consecutive week, 947,000 viewers. So that is, that, that's a big positive. Um, so yeah, hopefully they can build on that for next week. Hopefully NXT make a bit of a comeback. Um, I think it was, what would it be? It'd be 1.65 million people watching wrestling on a Wednesday night. Um, and literally that is what they were doing, watching wrestling. Because as we move on to talking about the shows on this Basically, if you're the first time listening to this show, this show, it's not like going into detailed recaps of the show. I will quickly go over the shows. It is more about talking about the big stories, just detailing a weekly recap, a weekly detail of the big stats, the big stories from the WWE versus AEW Wednesday Night Wars, so that maybe in about five years when we look back on this, we've got something that we can look back on that'll have the re- the ratings detailed into it, the big stories, and of course, the views on the shows. So yeah, so one of my big takes from this week, so I'm just giving it from a fan's perspective, right? So I get back from work yesterday, and I watch AEW followed by NXT. That is four hours of wrestling shows. So it's a television show. This is no pay-per-view. This is a television show with television standard wrestling on it. And for me, the big take from these two shows, there's just too much wrestling on these shows. You might say that sounds a little bit strange because the wrestling shows, but television shows should be used more to build for your pay-per-views, for your final destinations. I don't need to see six to seven matches on a two-hour show, especially when most of these matches are 10 minutes. 
you know what I mean? It's not, it's the middle of the week. It's a television show. When I come back from work, yeah, sure, I love watching a bit of good wrestling, but I'm all here for the promos, the segments. That's what I'm interested in, as much equally as the wrestling, probably divided 50-50. And at the moment, the wrestling is just slanted 80-20, especially after we've just got the majority of us watching AEW, I'm guessing, well, for me at least, have just come out of watching a 12-hour Wrestle Kingdom, 13-hour, 14-hour Wrestle Kingdom weekend if you watch New Year's Dash. So, followed that up two nights later by another four hours of just pure wrestling. It, it, it wouldn't bother me if we were getting four-star matches on this, but the, the, the matches, I didn't even have any of these AEW matches at three stars. They, they were fine TV matches, but they weren't anything that I'd be like, oh, you've got to go and watch that match. You've got to go and watch that match. And if you're going to give me two hours of basically just wrestling, then they've got to... Do you know what I mean? They've got to be really good matches if I'm going to sit through that. By the time I'm getting to the NXT, the end of the NXT show, I'm thinking, Jesus, I feel like I'm watching a pretty long WWE pay-per-view, but, well, I feel like I've ranted a lot this week, but let, let's just look at Dynamite. So, Dynamite, Memphis, um, January 8th, the show opened up um, with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page defeating Private Party. One thing I did notice for this was the crowd seemed to be really, really quiet, um, but we had this story after the match where Pac is in the back, right? And he's attacking. We're told Michael Nakazawa. We can't see it because the camera doesn't get his face on it. And he's telling Kenny Omega to give him his match. And I'm sat there and I thought, I'm sure about three or four weeks ago they did the exact same thing. There was something involved with like the Lucha Brothers attacking Kenny Omega, and um, Pac had Michael Nakazawa, and we never actually found out what happened. And then four weeks later, what, Pac's still in the room with him? I think I saw Brian Alvarez touch on this. Um, well, I've not had time to listen to any of his shows because I only watched the shows last night and I've woke up this morning to record the podcast. But I did hear a quick two-minute clip where he's basically saying the same thing. What what happened? We're not told this. Um, do you know what I mean? Sure, they might have touched on it on Being the Elite, but we weren't told any of this. The live television audience, the national television audience, don't watch being the elite, maybe a couple hundred thousand of them do, but the majority don't, we need to be told what happens, otherwise it is just completely pointless, um, but one of the highlights of the show, my favourite parts, was this whole little hangman page, um, turn into the drink storyline, it's not like alcoholic style, he just looks like he's having a good time, but yeah, so he basically doesn't go and help Kenny, which was a really nice touch, and he just stays ringside, necking beers with the fans, that is how you get someone over. Hangman Page, though it looks like they're going to turn him on Kenny Omega. Well, they are going to, aren't they, in a month or two. I, he sort of finally seems to be getting fully over with the fans and having him do stuff like that. It's the Stone Cold Steve Austin route. Do you know what I mean? Having a babyface drink beers with the fans is going to get him over. Having him say cowboy shit is going to get him over. It's like the end of the show with John Moxley. Having Moxley come down and doing that sort of thing is going to get him over over, so yeah, that uh, the match was fine, um, but it was nothing to write home about, um, the best part of it was Hangman Page smashing beers with the crowd, next, straight into another match, Rio versus Chris Statlander, not a very good match, Brandy Rhodes is absolutely terrible on commentary, terrible on commentary, um, she's annoying, but I suppose that is her role, and then we just, we get in this match, that we seem to have waited for for four to five weeks. We've got some bold guy apparently called Luther coming out. There's interference flying about everywhere. They love 
making this referee, Matt Remsburg, looking... Oh, is that his name? Oh, I completely forget his name. I should remember it because he did a great match at Joey Janela's spring break last year. Invisible Man versus Invisible Man. Yes, Jim, it was a good match. Um, but it was enjoyable. But yeah, they make the referee look so stupid. Um, we've just got... It's like Rio wins by Awesome Kong helping her because she cost Chris the match. And it's just... It's just bollocks. It's bollocks. The crowd are quiet. They're booing. They're not interested in another goofy, goofy, like... Do you know what I mean? If you want to do the Dark Order, fair enough. But we don't need this Nightmare Collective thing as well. It's just... So, we get there. Rio retains the title. Boring stuff. And next, more boring stuff. Sammy Guevara versus Christopher Daniels in a two-star television match. Um, Guevara wins when Pentagon comes on stage and starts... Laughing at Christopher Daniels. What is this? TNA? Is this TNA? Because this first 45 minutes was exactly like a TNA show. Just three wrestling matches with pretty bad storytelling. Do you know what I mean? Straight away, I was put off the show with this. Um, we get a Dark Order coming out. So straight after this Nightmare Collective bollocks, we have Dark Order coming out asking Christopher Daniels to join. He says no. They beat him down. SCU and the Young Bucks come out. And it's like at one point, you had SCU and the Young Bucks, right? And Stu Grayson is stood there, threatening to take them all on, four on one. The faces were beating down the heel, four on one. Come on, come on, come on, bookers. Come on, this is common wrestling. You don't have four baby faces beating down a heel. Come on, it's really not hard. But, yeah, that's what they were for. Wow, as I'm recapping the show, it's even worse than I thought it was. Next... The Rolls Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers. This was a decent TV match, probably the match of the night. It was fine. Um, but, so the the Rolls, I feel like I'm just burying the show. The Rolls Brothers, right? Yes, they're a nice tag team. Yeah, the brothers. But Cody is feuding with MJF. Dustin is not in a tag team. So why are these two single wrestlers beating one of the best tag teams in the world? Why is Dustin Rhodes, who I like, but why is Dustin Rhodes pinning Ray Phoenix, dear me, dear, dear me, um, but yeah, just, and then we have, after the, after the match, this is another negative, after the match, Arn Anderson's saying that next week, Cody will give his answer to MJF, what is it with them having the baby faces waiting weeks after weeks to deliver the answer, do you really think the live crowd who've paid money for their ticket want the baby face out there saying, oh, he's going to give them the answer next week. They did it with John Moxley last week and it got boos. They've done it this week and it got boos. In two consecutive weeks, you've had something that Moxley and Cody Rhodes have said, booed. So Cody Rhodes makes his way to the back and Hughes music hits. MJF for his promo. Did they not cross paths on the way? No. Are we just having MJF straight out after Cody? More bad booking from AEW. Um... I, really, I like AEW, I don't want to be burying them, but this show was just not good enough last night, it really, really wasn't, um, so we have MJF, and this wasn't great, MJF is good on the, I like the MJF, MJF is a virgin sign, they should have got that on camera a bit more, but MJF's out talking the gist of it, DDP comes out, MJF says he's going to smash his daughter, very nice, um, DDP grabs MJF, the butcher and the blade come in, DDP beats him up, but then, basically, MJF will all sort of put the hands on Dustin and we get QT Marshall out to save the day. And Dustin. So Dustin could come out, but not Cody. 
Okay, a cold segment. Next, another match which was fine, but it wasn't worth my time on a cold Wednesday night in January. The Jurassic Express beat the best friends in Orange Cassidy when Jungle Boy gets a roll-up on Chuck Taylor. Moving on. We randomly get announced matches for the Bash at the Beach. Now, this is another problem I've got. The Bash at the Beach has been known for ages. They could have built their feuds to sort of climax at this Bash at the Beach show. But no, we just randomly get an announcement where we're throwing together some matches. Brilliant. Pack versus Darby Allen will be good. Um, we've got DDP back in action, so... Yep. Um, now, the saving grace of this show Chris Jericho John Moxley segment it's great it really is great I've not seen him, someone do something like this in wrestling for a long time so credit to but this segment it was great Tony you're very lucky you've got Chris Jericho and John Moxley they are both great the two best things right now in AEW maybe minus MJF um, but just a great great segment you have Moxley saying that he's joined Chris Jericho um, he has the Inner Circle t-shirt on, and they make the segment where Moxley's um, spraying champagne around the ring with the Inner Circle going so long that you actually, although I'd already seen the spoilers on what happened, you actually start to think, hmm, John Moxley actually joined the Inner Circle, and it actually made me think, do you know what, that wouldn't have been the worst thing. Delay the Moxley-Jericho match for, what, six months? Yeah, you can just have Moxley and Chris Jericho together, sort of like the two-man power trip, Stone Cold Triple H, for a few months, but... Of course, they didn't do that, but it was fine. It was a great setup for the feud. You have Moxley. Moxley is just like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He bottles Chris Jericho. He bottles Chris Jericho with a champagne ball. Brilliant booking. Makes sense. Makes Moxley out to just be a star, a bad, bad man. Just great. Great booking. Great stuff. A great segment that saved Dynamite. It was the best segment on either of the Wednesday Night Wars shows. Um, but apart from that, as I say, AEW, for me, had their worst show today. This was a very, very bad, boring, it wasn't even bad, it, it, parts of it were bad, parts of it were boring, and we got a great main event segment, so, you've got to say overall, the worst episode of Dynamite to date, but they've got the Bash of the Beach show next week, they've got Chris Jericho's um, Rock and Rager at Sea the week after, so, I'm hoping for two really good shows coming up excited to see the bash at the beach stage next week excited to see the visual of dynamite on chris jericho's boat if you watched um the ring of honor show and the what was it last year it was chris jericho and the young bucks versus kenny cody and hangman page in a six-man tag last year on the boat that was a great match by the way back when everyone was a little bit more over than they are now excluding jericho and hangman but yeah so go and check that match out actually really good really good um, but yeah, so at least we've got some exciting things to come from AEW. I'm just going to put this down to one really bad show. Hopefully they'll pick things up next week, and I'm sure they will. I'm sure they've got big things planned for the Bash at the Beach and the Jericho show. So it's not all negative. We had a really great main event segment, but the rest of it was rather boring. Um, NXT. NXT. Now, I don't really want to go into too much detail about NXT. Um Basically, one thing I did find out was that the NXT women's division is absolutely fantastic. The opening segment shows this. We have Rhea Ripley out, Tony Storm, Tony Storm, Tony Storm out, Kaylee Ray out, Io Shirai, the best women's wrestler in the world out, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae. That is six great women's wrestlers 
Kenny Omega, I bet he wish he had th this women's division to book. Whew, I bet he'd be foaming at the mouth at the talent in this NXT women's division. But anyway, um, they basically build up Rhea, Candice, Tony versus Kaylee Ray, Io Shirai and Bianca Belair in a six-man tag. Um, Rhea Ripley gets the win in this match. Um, basically, it's been announced at World Collide we're going to get Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm um, for the NXT Women's Championship. Great. I saw that match at NXT. I don't even want to swear on this show. I saw this match in Blackpool about a year ago. Um, it was a fine match, but these two are bigger stars now, particularly Rhea Ripley. So I'm looking forward to that match in front of a big arena on Royal Rumble weekend. Um, so yeah, the NXT Women's Division is great. Um, we get a video package about Tomasa Ciampa wanting his life back, wanting Goldie back. So it looks like we're getting Ciampa and, and Adam Cole at NXT Portland in February. Um, the best segment on the show was a Matt Riddle backstage interview where he explains why he and Pete Dunne are teaming. Perfect. So some bad luck in it, really. Some bad luck. And Amazon delivery. Amazon delivery during the podcast. I'm not going to edit it out, but... What was I even talking about? I was talking about Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. Hey, what what can you do? What can you do? Um, I should be aware of me, actually. Matt Riddle explains why he and Pete Dunne are together in this um, Dusty Rhodes classic. He's, I'm a bro, you're a bruiserweight. We are now the broserweights. So, it was just great charisma from Riddle in this. He's one of a kind. Great little interview. Took me off that a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, next, Austin Theory defeats... DJZ, I can't, what is it, Yak Jacqueline Wilder, something his name, something like that, great, uh, we had Undisputed Era defeat Gallus, Gallus of Mark, Coffee and Wolfgang, it was fine, uh, the best thing about Gallus is their theme music, you gotta like it, hey, yeah, great, great theme music, love it, best thing about them, be great when Joe Coffee comes out to that. Joe Coffee, dear me. Anyway, so next we get Johnny Gargano out. Finally, a promo. Nice to have a promo on this NXT show. They used to have more promos, I swear, when they were a one-hour show. Um, so, yeah, it breaks up the show. I'm sick of match after match. To be fair, actually, we did get two in-ring promos, I guess, on this show. But I just feel like I need a little bit. It just feels like too much wrestling. Maybe I'm wrong, because they did have two in-ring promos on AEW, two on NXT. But I just feel like... I don't know, like, even when you watch Raw, I don't feel like it's match after match after match after match. Then a promo. Do you know what I mean? Like, speaking of that, I actually put a poll up on our Twitter, believe this or not. This sums up how bad AEW was. I did a poll on our Twitter. Go to at neutral res to find this out, right? Was Raw this week better than Dynamite? Raw won that poll. Slightly, but Raw won that poll. And the internet hates Monday Night Raw. But... Raw was better than Dynamite, according to our followers on Twitter. So, that is pretty, pretty staggering. But, yeah, so back to this uh, really good Johnny Gargano promo, talking about how Finn left to go to the main roster back in 2016 quick as he could. But when Johnny Gargano got the call back in August, he didn't go to the main roster. He stayed here on NXT. Um, he says that Finn Balor made Johnny take over, miss a takeover, and for that, he is going to punish him. And Finn comes out and basically tells Gargano to speak to Regal and he'll give him the match at TakeOver Portland. Punchline, if he even makes it that far. So yeah, nice little quick promo to build up towards their match at TakeOver Portland. Um, so yeah, this was good stuff. Um, we find out that Kushida and Alex Shelley are going to be teaming next week. 
we had Chelsea Green making her NXT, maybe is it a debut? I don't know if she's been like lurking. So I think she was on the main roster where she on Raw the other week. But she attacked Mia Yim. She's part of the Robert Stone brand. Chelsea Green is going to be another great addition to the NXT women's division. Now, BT Sport, this is the first time you showed NXT live in the UK. You've just took over. For people who don't know, Sky Sports have been showing WWE for 30 years, 20 years, at least 20 years, longer in the UK. BT Sport took over in January. 1st of January, yep. We're on January the 8th. So I was sat watching NXT last night. The Keith Lee, Dijakovic versus... Oh, it's off the top of my head here because I don't have any notes. Um, Keith Lee, Dijakovic versus whatever Trevor Lee's new, new name is versus, I can't even remember, do you know what? Basically, you can't blame me because I didn't even get to see this match because they had the screen stick, just stay still, the screen stays still, I'm trying to like describe this, goes to black, it says, we apologise for this inconvenience, and that's it, they never go back to the show, the show ends about five minutes into the match, the show just ends. We got football advertisements. That's it. So if you stayed up to watch NXT Live in the UK on Wednesday evening until 3 in the morning, you would have got to the main event at quarter to 3 and the show would have just finished during the main event. You didn't get to see what happens next. I had to go on Twitter to find out that Keith Lee wins and becomes the number one contender for the North American Championship. BT, it's not good enough. I went on the Twitter, BT's Twitter, to see if maybe they apologised for this. But no, we had live tweeting. And it just said, picture of Keith Lee. Keith Lee is the number one contender. No apologies for it being cut off. They probably assumed that few people will be watching it. We'll get away with this. There's about eight or nine comments, people having a go at them on it. But it's not good enough. I, sc- I recorded this show, came to watch it, and I couldn't watch the main event. So I can't review this main event for you. I couldn't even remember the fourth participant in the match. That's probably my fault. But it's not good enough, BT. Not good enough at all I, we at least you could have issued an apology and a promise that this won't happen again but you didn't even mention it this is why nobody in the uk likes bt sport robbing bastards but yeah so yeah that that was the nxt show now the nxt show was boring it was it was fine i feel bad saying boring it was fine it was your run-of-the-mill show it was nothing really special going on i love the matt riddle segment the johnny gargano finn Balor segment was good seeing uh, the women at the start of the show was actually pretty good um, the rest of it was pretty much nothing happening. Obviously, the Dusty Rhodes classic, but nah, it's the early rounds in it. Whereas AW for me was a bad show with a great ending. So I'm sure you're all wondering what am I giving the show of the week to? Can't give it to AW. It was a bad, bad show, bad show overall. NXT was fine. So I think NXT really, it's not really. I won't call them the winner of the week, even though they are. It was two disappointing shows for me. I'm expecting high-caliber shows and didn't get it this week. But NXT, the winner of the week for this week. So, yeah, they get the winner. The match of the week, I hear, was apparently the Keith Lee match. But what would I even go for as the match of the week? There was nothing, was there? was nothing that you'd say, let's go back and watch that. The match of the week, Okada versus Night. Oh, how about that for you? Um... But yeah, disappointing, disappointing week. Do you know what I mean? I was sat there last night. I'm thinking, flipping heck, is it really worth devoting four hours of my time on a went on a well, on a Thursday night in the UK for this? Obviously, I've got this podcast, but usually I've enjoyed most of the shows. But I'm gonna stick with it. 
feeling a little bit dejected about it, but got to keep going. So hopefully I've not depressed you too much on episode 14 of the WWE versus AEW podcast. Hopefully you'll be back next week to hopefully let's see if things improve. The Dusty Road Classic continues. We've got the Bros Awaits. We've got AW Bash at the Beach. So I'm hoping for better show next week and I think we will get it. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Um, subscribe to the WWE versus AEW podcast. Just search WWE versus AEW on Apple podcast and we are right there. Otherwise, search Neutral Wrestling on Apple and go to our Twitter to find the links or subscribe to our YouTube channel. The main aim for me this year is to grow this YouTube channel. We're doing a steady job so far. I sort of neglected the YouTube channel last year, concentrating on the podcast side of things. We've got, do you know what I mean? I'm really happy we have the podcast side of things going, but I want to build that YouTube. So please subscribe to the YouTube. Spread the word of Neutral Wrestling. Spread the word of the WWE versus AEW podcast. I will be back reviewing um, the Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill show, Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan in the main event could be an historic pay-per-view I'll be back next week probably on Monday to review that show look out for another show um, with me and Danny the two Dans we'll be doing our show it's probably hopefully at some point next week we're hoping to have for you a detailed long podcast of our Wrestlemania 35 experience coming next um, hopefully next week it might be the week after but we will also have a Royal Rumble preview coming in within a few weeks so stay with the podcast support the podcast it's really appreciated I just want to say thanks to everyone for taking half an hour out to listen to the show hope you enjoyed it hope it gave a decent overview of week 14 of the Wednesday Night Wars I've had a lot to think about this week And there's a lot more that went into this decision than you people probably think. You might think you know what makes me tick. You might think you know my goals and my motivations, but the truth is you don't. Chris, I don't think you do either. You offered me a car. You offered me money. You offered me 49% ownership in Inner Circle LLC, but Chris, I don't want any of it. I didn't come to AEW because somebody backed a truck full of money up to my house. I can't be bought. I came to AEW to dominate, to run roughshod over professional wrestling, and that is why my answer is yes. What? What the? Hey, it was there, man. It was a hell of an offer. Well, he said yes! What better way to dominate than to align himself with the inner circle? Well, I would agree. This group could be more powerful than a horseman. Like I said, I came here to dominate. And there is no more dominant force, no more powerful, no more dangerous, no more influential force in AEW than the inner circle. And I want to stand with them. I told you he was going to say yes. You idiots didn't believe me. If you want to be great, you have to learn from the greats. 
And the pea brains out there might not want to admit it, but the truth is, the fact that I believe in my heart, Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. So I will stand with Chris Jericho. I will surround myself with greatness. I will surround myself with the inner circle and we will dominate AEW for years to come. La Champion, there is only one thing left. Pop open a little bit of the bubbly. Can you believe what we're seeing? I'm, I'm in shock. How about John Moxie? Well. Moxley said yes! 2020 is gonna be the year of the inner circle, baby! Just spraying that bubbly. Yeah, boy! Here we go! Come on, why aren't you cheering? Why aren't you cheering? Play some music, baby! Come on! Well, didn't seem like a party. I think the only people in the entire building that are celebrating are inside the AEW ring. Come on. This car worth $750,000. More than every single person in this place makes all combined. And Mox, it is yours. Registration, license plate. Everything! Right, it names on the yeah. title. Personalized license plate and everything. Huh. Oh, I sold out. I got a 2015 Dodge Ram I paid cash for. I was gonna run that thing till the wheels fell off until I got the gift of Jericho. <laughs> You're right, hey Mox, you did sell out every single night, baby. Cause the inner circle means money. Come on now. We won our matches at Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome. We're together now here in AEW. Cut the music. I forgot one final thing. Chris, my friend, I was just kidding. What? I would never join the inner circle. <laughs> what? It's a stupid group. You have nothing that I want, except for that. Oh! Oh, 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 you spread the bottle of champagne oh! over Jericho's head. And the paradigm shift of the oh, show beyond. God, Sammy's just got piled driven out of his boots. John Moxley has duped Jericho in the inner circle. John Moxley owns a, the most expensive car in America. Yes! There you go. Take the car and kick his ass. I love it. Man, there's going to be hell to pay for John Moxley in the weeks ahead. Jericho knocked out with a big old bottle of champagne. The answer is no, Chris. Matt Riddle, you're one half of the most unconventional duo heading into this year's Dusty Classic. So tell us, how did this pairing between yourself and Pete Dunne come to be? Well, to be honest, I really don't know Pete that well. 
But I think in the spirit of the Dusty Cup, that's what makes us a perfect team. And when I went to form this team with Pete, I went up to him and I was like, hey, Pete, I'm a bro, you're a bruiser weight, Dusty Cup, let's do this. He gave me the Pete special. I gave him the bro special. He nodded, and the broser weights were born. <laughs>